Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 86. Today we are starting our draft preview content. So today we're going to talk about a few different scenarios, um, a few teams that we think have a lot to gain and a lot to lose that um, they need to kind of hit this draft and nail it. Otherwise, they might be in some trouble, Um, as well as some player-specific takes that we have regarding our best prospects and then who we think are the best prospects outside of Trevor Lawrence, because that's an obvious one, Um, as well as our favorite prospects that are not in the top 10, since the top 10 is a little bit more cemented than the rest of the draft. We will talk about who we like outside of that. So, without further ado, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I have Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully with me, as per usual. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Ready to talk uh, college football. A little draft? A little no. draft talk? I know draft, Durgan's over there yes. just stoked. Yes. I've, I, since August, I've been doing breakdowns, and it's, what, three weeks away? So it's pretty uh, pretty crazy. Come on, nowhere it came. Out it always nowhere. sneaks up. It always, it always, it always does. Like I feel like you know, we we talk and we're like, man, the draft's a long way away, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, the draft's like next week, every yep. single year, which is every great. Year and then, and then after the draft to the start of the season, but last year there's no preseason games. It's like painfully long. But yeah, yeah ready to roll. You're ready to roll. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well. Let's roll then. If you're ready to roll, let's talk about the first sort of topic here. We're going we're gonna to discuss teams that we think have the most to gain and teams that we think have the most to lose pertaining to the draft. So we'll start with you, Casey. Give us the team that you think has the most to gain and who might be in a good position to do so. Yeah, for me, it's the Dolphins. And we've talked about the Dolphins a couple of times now, but they have three picks in the top 36. So that's a great opportunity to take a, a roster that was already pretty competitive last year and sort of put them over the top and get them into that the playoff uh, echelon of teams. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big opportunity for them. Um, they, they could be a, potentially a, a perennial contender here for the next four years if they hit the, hit on these with the, the rookie contracts that they're going to have coming up along with next year and, and those first and second round picks that they have. So really big opportunity in front of the Dolphins if they can nail even you know two of these picks per draft. Uh, that would go a long way towards uh, cementing that roster as being one that's going to have some staying power, especially if Tua ends up panning out. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, the Dolphins I mean, the Bills are in a fortunate position because the Bills might be the most up-and-coming team with Josh Allen playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins are right there. I mean, their roster isn't that far behind, especially when you add in these three picks in the top 36. Yeah, and I think you hit it with the uh, Tua take. Really, it's going to be how does he develop and what kind of quarterback can he be now that it's his show i mean he's going to get all the chances there's no pulling him yep. because you know oh we're, well well we're close to the playoffs let's play the known commodity no it's to a show it's his opportunity and will he seize it that will be kind of the interesting storyline for the dolphins because the dolphins were 10 and 6 this was a good team they missed the playoffs but this was a really good team and they overperformed yep. i think from what a lot of people expected um and with these assets you know they like you mentioned Three picks in the top 36, those are all potential starters coming in next season. So I I like what the Dolphins are doing. We've talked about it on this podcast many times, um, but totally agree. I think if you didn't pick them, I probably would have. So solid <laughs> choice, Casey. <laughs> oh, thanks. The advantage of filling out the uh, dock first always uh, reaps rewards. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Well, my team with most of the game is another AFC East team that will have a young quarterback soon, and that is the New York Jets. Uh, obviously, we all know they're picking second overall. 
and it'll most likely be Zach Wilson unless anything crazy happens. So I went back and looked at the history of the quarterback for the Jets, and it's horrendous outside of Joe Namath. Since Joe Namath was around, uh, best guys they've had, are Boomer Esiason, uh, Ken O'Brien, they're only guys who made the Pro Bowl, uh, so did Brett Favre, but that was more because he was the name and he was not that good. Uh, other quarterbacks they've had, Mark Sanchez, Chad Pennington, Vinny Testaverde, not great. Not great at all. So uh, they need to nail this pick. And if they do nail this pick, they can finally get over that hump. And also, they have four picks in the top 86. And a second first rounder at 23. This team is not close to being at the Dolphins or the Bills level. But they have a lot of young talent coming in this year and next year as well. So if they can hit three or four of those picks or get four starters, that's one big step towards rebuilding and uh, Robert Sala, I'm a huge fan of. I think he can turn the ship around, and this is step one in their process. Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of nailed it with the quarterback. I mean, if, if you got a guy that can, can throw the ball and keep you competitive, that uh, goes a long way. It goes a long way for attracting free agents. Um, it pushes you down in the draft a little bit because you're performing better. Um, but that's that's where you sort of got to start at, at this point. I mean, I feel like if the maybe if the Jets were a little bit uh, worse or better last year and had a worse draft position than they were out, you know, six or seven or so, I would say build the team and then get the quarterback. But when you're sitting at uh, at two, you kind of got to go with the quarterback unless you can get like a king's ransom because this roster still does need a little bit of help and it's going to be it's not going to be easy sledding for any quarterback that just gets inserted in there uh, without a whole lot of tools on the offense to help them out. But um, they do have a good opportunity in front of them, sort of like the the Dolphins do with a, a number of first round and high level picks in the next coming years. Yeah, and I think this might be the worst situation out of all the different uh, really bad teams that are going to be drafting quarterbacks here. I think this may be the worst one. So it'll be interesting to see who they pick because they're going to need to kind of be uh, they're need they're going to need to elevate the play of everybody around them. And I'm I'm not sure how you do that as a rookie quarterback coming in, but I trust Joe Douglas. You know, he was a he was a player personnel guy on the Eagles. Robert Sala, close ties obviously with the 49ers. You know him well, Durgan. I think the new regime in New York is they got the right people in place, right? So. Now it's about what those people can do and how they can build this team, um, and we'll see. I don't think they're close, like you mentioned. I think they're very far from being a, a, yeah. any oh, sort yeah. of contention or anything, you know, any sort of relevancy. But um, this is the first step. If you can get a rookie quarterback that is solid, it opens up so many things for you, contract-wise, free agency, salary cap-wise. So uh, we'll see what they do. I mean, it's looking like Zach Wilson. I don't know how much I love Zach Wilson. Uh, It'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. But you're going to notice a theme here with my pick as far as who has the most to gain. It's going to be the Jags. I mean, anytime you're in a position to draft first overall with a generational talent at quarterback, that's that is the most to gain out of anything, right? I mean, that's that's what everybody wants and strives for. So um, I know there's some questions around Trevor Lawrence and and uh, his ability from some people, but. There's no doubting the dude has has all the talent and the ceiling is sky high. So I think you got to go Trevor Lawrence and then you have the 25th pick and you can get him either a weapon or some offensive line help, which they probably would need more if there's if there's a a pick, a prospect there that makes sense. But I think the Jags, you know, they're going to they're going to get that first piece. And then they can do the Casey method, which you just mentioned, which is kind of building around that quarterback and attracting free agents and and uh, really reshaping this team not too long ago the Jags were were in the playoffs so I think they're they're a little closer than people might realize 
Sorry, Casey, RIP to the Gardner Minshew top five hype, but it's it's <laughs> Trevor Lawrence's he's, time. He's still got an opportunity. Don't worry. All right. He's all just right. biding his time. He's, okay. he's finding all the MILFs, and then he'll reappear, re-energized, <laughs> and uh, ready to go. Yeah. Well, I hope he does. Maybe he'll get traded uh, or something. He's one of the best personalities in the league for sure. Um, but let's go back to you then. Who, who do you think has the most to lose or I guess is in a, is in a little bit of a more risky situation? Yeah, I stole Durgan's Niners. I think, you know, <laughs> whenever you fork over as much draft capital as they did to go move up in the draft, you got to make sure you hit with that pick. Um, so with the Niners at number three now, they so sort of got to get a quarterback. And if they don't hit a quarterback, then uh, they're going to be a little bit back in purgatory like they were with Alex Smith to a certain degree during some of his time where you're like, you're good enough to win, you know, seven to nine games every year and sort of you're stuck in that area where you can't get this premier draft talent and and really get the roster over the hump. Um, so if you, you, if you miss out or even get sort of an average guy, um, you may be in a little bit of trouble. And I think, you know, if, G- if Jimmy G can stay healthy, uh, he's proven that he can win with, with this roster. So if you get a guy that can sort of fill that role for the next couple of years, um, then then you'll be fine. But you got to pay Bosa soon. you got to pay Debo soon. Um, and those guys aren't going to be cheap. Is that maybe why they're doing this, is in, in anticipation oh. of having to pay those guys? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, they need a guy that's on their, a rookie contract to be able to keep all the the other stars for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you honestly said it perfectly. Uh, the fact that to backtrack, Colin Coward, whether you like him or not, I, I usually don't like him, but he has a great take about this quarterback draft this year, and he knows that most of these top five guys we talked about last week are going to be busts, and you know Trevor Lawrence probably not going to be a bust. The second guy who is probably going to work, whoever goes to the Niners. Because Shanahan won't put those guys in failing positions. But it's how far can they take them. And that's the reason why you, know, you don't draft, no, you don't draft trail these picks for Mac Jones because he can't elevate talent. But if you think that everybody else around him is good enough to win a Super Bowl, you're putting a lot, lot on him still, but it makes sense. Um but I absolutely agree. I mean, they they can't they can't pick a bust. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's maybe why Mac Jones is what they're liking because he's going to be safe. He's going to be Kirk Cousins. He's going to be a guy who won't be a star, but will be good enough to start. Um, we'll see what happens though. I'm I'm still hoping out for Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but they have to get it right. This, I mean, this is I'm not saying Shane will get fired, but if two years from now they're not a perennial Super Bowl contender. It's gonna to be tough for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, go ahead, Casey. I was just gonna say, I mean, everyone thinks very highly of Kyle Shanahan, but yes. the fact of the matter is, there's been a lot of injuries, and he's really only had fielded a competitive team for Once. one year. Uh, out Three of out of four years are terrible. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know whatever his PR guy is is doing a fantastic job <laughs> because his name carries a ton of weight in the league. And I think a lot of that comes from his dad. And he's obviously a very smart guy scheming stuff yeah. up. And when he has an actual roster that's functional, he does a fantastic job. But ultimately, like if you draft a bad quarterback and like you said, two or three more years of, you know, mediocre play or even if you have one really good year again and then two, two more bad ones and he could be finding himself on a, on a hot seat. So I don't understand this Mac Jones hype. I'm going to be very surprised if Mac Jones goes in the top 20. I'm well, throwing that out there right oh, now. 
He'll be top ten for sure. No chance. But, I will bet you. I, mean, I will bet you a. What are the What are the pepper that ghost Casey pepper? Never ate, ghost uh, pepper. Yeah. Ghost, ghost pepper. pepper here we go. You were gonna jump through a table. We have some weird bets here. Yeah. We're spiral, in. But I, I I I just don't see it. I don't. I think if any quarterback slips, it's gonna be Mac Jones. I I I could even see him going in the second round. I'm just saying it right now. Hot take. Hot take right here. I mean, I I don't disagree with you that he's not good enough to go that high. It's just, I mean, you have Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, all these really in-tuned national okay. sources are, are saying Mac Jones at three. Okay, you know, but they also seems, said like Geno like Smith at like five or whatever when when Geno Smith True. was being drafted. I'm just saying, I don't, True. this is very, Mac Jones's rise has been astronomical. It's fishy. It's fishy. Something's, a few months ago, he smells. was being a second, third round projection, and now he's top, yeah. he's the third pick overall. No chance. No way. Not happening. I hope you're right. I well, hope you're right I, so bad. I, I don't think you trade up for Mac Jones. So um, yeah. unless there's just something, maybe Mac Jones has some like Kyle Shanahan nudies that he's uh, like, he hey, you better draft me. I don't want to come to the even, even then, um, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, you know, release those picks, man. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're chill. We're chill. Uh, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, now we're back in fact focused. Uh, my loser, or my, my team that can most to lose is the Bengals. Uh, last year, Joe Burrow has a lot of, not much time to throw, and he had a lot of success though during the time he did play. And I don't think they can get tempted by what he wants. And they, apparently, he wants Jamar Chase, his former receiver at LSU, who is a fantastic player. We'll talk about him more later. Really good player, but they already have some decent receivers. T. Uh, Higgins had a good rookie year. Uh, Tyler Boyd's a good player. Auden Tate two years ago played okay. So they don't really need a receiver. They need offensive line. Get Penny Sewell. He's a really good player. We'll break down his game a little more later as well. But a legit offensive lineman is going to fall right into your lap at five, and you want to draft a receiver still? No. He's not going to have time to throw if you don't get him help. So the receiver you want to get will be absolutely useless. So it's the Bengals, and I have very little faith in them as an organization. They're low-key, like, in my eyes, equal to the Browns, even though the Browns are on the rise. But historically, I see them equal to the Browns in terms of competency. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, especially if you believe in Joe Burrow and his ability. Uh, we talked about elevating mm-hmm. play of the, the the guys around you. If you believe that Joe Burrow can do that, then you you say we, we're going to protect you. And, you know, you have enough weapons right now at the receiver position that we expect you to be able to win games and keep us competitive. And I think that's that's mostly true. I mean, you have Joe Mixon as well. He, getting a yep. good offensive line helps him as well. So, uh I think they all. I'm with you on that one. They got to go offensive line at number five. Well, luckily Jamar Chase is great after the catch because you can just kind of dink it off to him, and and then he'll have to make something happen. Because you're right, Joe Burrow's going to have like a split second to throw that ball if they don't draft an offensive lineman. Um, I could see them taking Jamar Chase though, which is the sad part of all of this. And I I think it's a potential, it's a possibility that that happens. Um, but I mean, if he if he balls out, you know, you look at this in hindsight. Who, who really cares, right, if, if they're winning? And Burroughs played de- – he played pretty well before he got hurt, even with the offensive line they have. Yes, he, he was under pressure constantly. Um, but I don't know. If they don't draft an offensive lineman, I'm not sure where they fill that hole. Like, there's there's a very sparse free agent market when it comes to that kind of talent. And uh, they're definitely in need of it a lot more than a lot of teams. And you want to protect your rookie quarterback. He's just coming off an injury. Like, you, you cannot let him get – demolished again this season especially coming off that kind of injury so uh i see your i see your statement here in our uh document don't screw this up 
I'm with you. Bengals, don't <laughs> screw this up. Um, don't screw it up. Speaking of not screwing it up, I, I have so my I have two sort of my emotional one, which is most to lose. I think I'm very concerned about my Eagles because you traded back to a position where the chance of missing on your pick increases exponentially, in my opinion. And you traded back two behind the Cowboys, which bothers me again. I hate watching the Cowboys draft right before us because I just know they're about to take some prospect that I really wanted. Happened with C.D. Lamb. I could see it happening again this year. But keeping it in the NFC East, I think one team that kind of stands out to me when, when we look at these uh, the draft position, uh, according to team roster and talent, is the Washington football team. They're drafting in a position that, in my opinion, does not match their season performance, and that's because they won the NFC least, we'll call it, the NFC <laughs> East. But because of that, I mean, you're, you're drafting in a position where, you, you know, you got the 19th pick, and that's not necessarily, you know, a, a guaranteed hit where you're going to get some talent. They added a few pieces. I think Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys. Who else did they add? They added somebody else, too. Um, Fitzmagic himself, the quarterback. Yes, of course. How could I forget Fitzmagic? who is obviously very fun to watch but is not the answer for the future. I think it's an upgrade, but it's still um, – I don't know if that makes you a, a, a shoe-in for repeat NFC East division champ. So I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, you look in contrast, there's a team like Miami who was 10-6, and six, and they have the 6th and the 18th pick. Like, that's a similarly similar team right next to the, to the Washington football team there at 19 – and they're in a much better position because their GM has managed their assets a lot better. So I'm a, I'm a little concerned for the Washington football team. I think it kind of goes back to what Casey was mentioning, where you're going to be stuck in this sort of mediocrity for a little while. I don't know that they're going to they're going to be. I mean, outside of Terry McLaurin, I'm not really excited about anyone on that team. I'm just being honest on on offense. On offense, on their offense, defensive yeah. line is phenomenal. Um, but NFC East, I mean, I think you're going to see a little bit of a resurgence. Dallas is getting Dak back. Giants are going to get Saquon back. Um, Eagles are, you know, I don't know. I don't, they're not, they're not <laughs> in the best position, but, uh, I, am not sure that Washington football team is in the best place. Um, come draft time, they do have two third rounders, but they're really going to have to nail it. Otherwise I think we're going to see a swing in that division as well this year. I don't know. I, I think they have some stuff to be excited about, especially with, I mean, if Heineke can play as well as he did in that playoff game with Fitzmagic plays consistently, you got Adam Humphreys and Curtis Samuel, which definitely helps that receiving core. You have Gibson who played well. Um, you know, you need a little bit, a little bit of help on the offensive line, but I think there's some, some reason for optimism there. I, I do agree that the, their draft position doesn't really reflect the quality of their team. Um, but they, to me, read as being improved from last year. Uh, whether that'll be enough to to stave off the Giants and and the Cowboys, I don't know, um, but I could very easily see them winning the NFC East next year, um, even if well, they're, we could they're number nineteen. Easily see pick any doesn't. team winning the NFC East, just like with every year with these with this well, division. But I can't really see the Eagles winning. But. Oh, okay, all right. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, personal. <laughs> He's he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I'm sorry. He's not wrong. Hey, you said it the year that the, they beat the Cowboys out in that last game. So it's you know, true. true. Any, anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett once said. Yeah. Well, speaking of quarterbacks in uh, Washington, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded up for somebody. If a guy like Mac Jones or Trey Lance drops, you know, past eight, past nine, gets ten, eleven, I would consider trading up because this match can give you a solid year, and after that, who knows. But a guy, Trey Lance, who needs a year or two on a bench, 
even Mac Jones, he can use a yard on the bench to learn the game. I think every rookie quarterback can for the most part. So they're an interesting team to see. If not, they can get a good defensive impact starter. Yeah, they have stacked defense, but they need linebackers. Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, those are two great fits, I think, for that team. Yeah, I guess yeah. you guys are a little higher on uh, Dan <laughs> Snyder's Frankenstein than I am. But um, Well, l- luckily they got some competency in there. They got Ron Rivera and their new uh, president, Jason Wright, who are kind of like now running the show. So that's true. my only hope for them. Very true. Yeah, I do, I'm a big Ron Rivera fan. So um, it'll be interesting for sure. I just don't know that uh, the additions inspire me as much as Casey. I just think they'll be okay if they don't hit on number 19. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I don't know that they will. I think they really need to hit on, on 19, especially with the Cowboys getting healthy and, and the Giants getting healthy again. I think they, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think they could be the worst <laughs> team in this division after winning Ooh. it. Oh. You got some uh, interestingly tinted glass there, glasses there. So maybe some uh, eagle green glasses that are you're, you're looking through. Hey, only time will tell. Only <laughs> time will that tell. That is true. Speaking Very of time true. will tell, let's talk about our favorite prospects um, and who we think are the best prospects outside of Trevor Lawrence, since that's obviously, I think, pretty much penciled in at number one. Um, outside of Trevor Lawrence, who do we think is sort of that top prospect that we have in, in our eyes specifically um, coming into this draft? Casey, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, first, I just want to say great segue there, transitioning from time will tell to best prospects aside from Lawrence and seamless. Um, for so me, I do, for, I do it for your props. That's why I do it. Yeah, I know. Uh, for me, I, I got to go with Kyle Pitts. And uh, tight ends that can run and block coming out of college are, are pretty rare. And I feel like there's really a generational quarterback or receiver or some guy, some skill guy like that every single year that's hyped up to infinity and has all the physical tools and then, you know, can be a very solid NFL player. But uh, I feel like this term generational is thrown around a lot. And uh, for tight ends, I think the drop off from the guys in the NFL from like one to three uh, to guys that are like four through 12 is pretty big. Like there's a clear top tier tight end group. And uh, for me, Kyle Pitts has the the potential to enter that group. And uh, you think of, you know, other top prospects like Jamar Chase or um, some elite receivers or, or uh, quarterbacks like, you know, Fields or, or Zach Wilson. Um, but to me, the tight end position is so important that uh, or so rare to have top tier guys that that's the to me the best prospect outside of, of Trevor Lawrence. See, I, I mean, Kyle is a tight end, but I almost see him as a receiver because that's how good he is. He reminds me a lot of Mike Evans, where he's kind of throw the ball his direction, and he's going to come up with the catch. Yeah, I know. That's uh, your favorite yeah. type of receiver. Just throw it at him. <laughs> exactly. don't need exactly. separation. That's no why separation. I love him. That's why I love him. To throw the ball up, he'll catch it. I mean, I agree with you on the fact that the difference between a high-end tight end and a medium tight end is huge. And this only is a hot take. You put Kyle Pitts on NFL field tomorrow – and he's the fourth best tight end in the entire league. It's Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, and Pitts. And I don't think the difference between Pitts and Waller isn't that far either. I mean, this guy is going to be, within three years, he'll be the best tight end in the league. Unless he doesn't get hurt. He is phenomenal, best prospect tight end I've ever seen. Uh, he absolutely is worth a top five pick. 
I like him and the Falcons at four. I think it'd be really cool to see him with Matty Ice in the last few years of his career and Julio Jones. That'd be that offense would be unreal. But um, I absolutely agree, hundred percent. He, I mean, he, he he's up there, but there's one guy ahead of him. But we'll get to him after Cyrus's thoughts. Uh, two words really just sum up my thoughts: mismatch, nightmare. And I think uh, a lot of teams will do interesting things um, to try to defend Kyle Pitts and fail doing so. So I think I think uh, I I think he's going to Atlanta. I think he's going to be Tony Gonzalez 2.0 for that team. Um, I I agree. He's a, he's a generational talent. Um, yeah, I I like him a lot. Wish the Eagles could get him. <laughs> could have he stayed at six? Could have yeah. he stayed at six? <clears throat> well, give us yours, Derek. Speaking of players right. that you you think are better or something you, you mentioned. So, this guy I have ranked ahead of Pitts based on his position. That's Penny Sewell uh, because he plays left tackle. The position of left tackle more important than a pass catcher. Both important, but left tackle besides quarterback is the most important, not only on the offense, but on the entire team. Uh, Sewell didn't play this year, so a guy like Rashawn Slater is making up a lot of ground on him. But there's nothing Sewell can't do. He is athletic enough to get to the second level, to play outside zone blocking scheme. Also, strong enough to bully guys who are bigger than him. Last year, he went against Derek Brown, who got drafted by the Panthers, seventh overall. I believe it was seventh overall. It was a top ten pick, and he absolutely manhandled him. So if you're manhandling you know, top 10 picks a year before you're even drafted, you're a man amongst boys. He is so good. I mentioned before, I really hope the Bengals get him. Uh, shut down left tackle. Don't be shocked if at 6, for some reason, if he falls, the Dolphins get him and play him at right tackle, which is to his blind side. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I realize I stole Kyle Pitts here, so it limits the <laughs> discussion a little bit. But for me, I feel like there are. It's more often that you see an offensive tackle that's like extremely good come out every year that you have an opportunity to take in the top five than you do for a tight end. Um, I think he's great, and uh, he's my number one offensive lineman in the draft, and and he's extremely versatile and is a guy that you can just plug in and say, okay, we took care of that position for the next ten years. Um, so I, I agree he's a great uh, great offensive lineman and, and worthy of the, the discussion for even going potentially at number four or five because um, he is that good. And, uh, you know, he's he's fun to watch in the, in the run game. He reminds me a little bit of Quentin Nelson. He has a little bit of a mean streak sometimes get, where he can just uh, bully dudes get, sometimes. Get pissed off and yeah. Yeah, hurt you. Yeah, and that, that can change an entire culture on the offensive yep. line. Yep, another guy that I would – have liked the Eagles to draft. <laughs> you can notice the theme here of my d- depression with the prospects of us drafting these kind of players out the window. But um, I, I think both of those guys, I would probably rank higher than my guy, which I'm going to pick, but just for the sake of uh, diversity and then keeping things, um, keeping things fresh, I'm not going to pick the same one as you guys, obviously. So I will go with Jamar Chase, who I think is the most dominant receiver on tape in this class. He lines up on the outside and the inside, um, or he did at LSU, I should say. He's phenomenal at defeating press coverage. He has great foot quickness. Is really good upper body strength for a college player as well. Um, he does Durgan's least favorite thing very well. He creates a lot of separation <laughs> off the line of scrimmage. Um, and you notice he has that second gear that you know people talk about that. But when the ball's in the air, he can find that second gear and go get it. Um, he's a great route runner. Uh, he, he is really, really strong hands too. Like he'll go up and get that ball. He'll do that's Durgan's favorite thing. He'll do that. He'll yep. he'll get those fifty fifty balls and um, 
and he tracks the ball really well downfield for for his size as well. He's he's a good uh, deep threat as well. And the dude came out, and I know it's a pro day, so you know obviously the numbers are a little inflated. But he ran a four three eight forty time with a forty one inch vert, eleven foot broad jump. So he, I mean, I don't know that he's four three eight fast on tape. Like I don't know if I see four, that four four. Four four yeah. four five, yeah, yeah. But um, the dude's an athletic freak, and I think this just confirms that. Even if there's a little bit of padding on that forty time, um, but elite athleticism, production at the highest level, NFL skills, I think it all combines to make me a very sad Eagles fan. <laughs> I mean, something to keep in mind with the forty time too is that he's a year older now, right? We haven't yep. seen him have the the four three eight time or, or speed on film because we haven't seen him on film for a year yeah. so it's possible True. you know True. he's put on some muscle and, and some speed there um but yeah he's an exciting guy to watch he's fun to watch when he has the ball in his hands um very dynamic does he uh i don't know he doesn't seem like a julio jones type dominant receiver to me uh maybe just in, in the way they're built and and their physicality at, at, at certain points i think jamar is a little bit more finesse than than julio um not that, that there's anything wrong with that i love separation that's why i love Devonte adams and you know <laughs> uh but he's he's an exciting prospect and definitely uh feels to me like the best re- receiving prospect this year oh 100 yeah I mean, he really has no weakness in his game i mean he's one of the first guy reports i did over the summer and outside of him being average sized i guess he's like six foot six one there's no real weakness like he's just a, across the board totally solid and he dominated the sec at age of 19 yep. yeah he had joe burrow he had Jeff- justin jefferson mm-hmm. edward Zilera on his offense but at 19 years old you should not be dominating the best conference in the league so he's gonna be a top 10 pick and i'm really excited to see where he goes yeah it's interesting you mentioned that casey because he kind of reminds me a little of Devonte adams um maybe a little more deep speed but Mm-hmm. I, I see that i think the the separation and the route running is kind of comparable maybe maybe Devonte adams is a little more polished obviously don't get don't get your panties in a in a twist here but <laughs> not here he reminds me a little bit of odell beckham jr too the yeah the, sort okay. of the way That's he runs one. and yeah. most stronger i think than him but yeah. yeah yeah for sure both from lsu too so that helps True. the comp well now that we've talked about our favorite pretty much top 10 locks as far as these picks go um let's talk about our favorite picks who we don't anticipate to be in the top 10 this will be a little more interesting i think we'll have a little more variety it won't be a situation where i tell you guys that you chose the the other two that i was going to choose and blah 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 <laughs> let's talk about who who we think um or our favorites i should say uh prospects outside of the top 10 uh so casey we will pass you the mic go for it man yeah, I'm going with a running back, and I'm going with Javante Williams, who is probably more of a, a second-round guy, but he runs hard. He's got great bursts. He's got good acceleration, and uh, for me, he's the clear number three. I think he could even push Travis Etienne for number two um, behind Najee Harris as far as the running back tiers go there. Um, but he has great contact balance. I know that's one of Cyrus's favorite things. You get hit, you stay up, you find ways to keep your legs churning and, and get some extra yards always falls forward he doesn't necessarily have the long speed to pull away from you but he has really good burst from like 75 percent to 100 percent. that sort of change of gear to hit uh, holes and seams really fast uh he does a great job with uh, so he might not break off the 70 yarders but he'll break off chunks of 20 and 30 pretty consistently uh, and he just finishes with violence every time yes uh he's he's a fun fun guy to watch and uh 
has it seems like he's a pretty natural hands catcher too uh north carolina didn't ask him to, to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield but uh when he had his opportunity he attacked the ball in the air with his hands and catch it with his body so i'm uh, a big javante williams fans so i don't think the packers need to go take another second round running back but uh <laughs> you know he's one i would make an exception for if we uh were in need of a running back yeah, you said it perfectly. When he what he runs, he runs like he's trying to run through a brick wall every single time. And personally, Etienne is ranked ahead because he has shown the ability to catch passes, and that's ultimately NFL passing league need that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of pure running, this guy is – I love him so much. I'm, I was so happy you put his name in there. He is a mean mother effer. You do not want to tackle him on the opposite side. And the thing is, at UNC, it was him and Michael Carter. They mm-hmm. were splitting for the most part. And they have a guy, Sam Howe, who might be a might be a first-overall pick next year, quarterback. So they had a great offense last year. So he wasn't even a guy who got a lot of touches. But he averaged like seven, eight yards of carry. Yeah. It, it was amazing. I mean, every time he touched the ball, he was running somebody over and falling forward, gained 10 yards every single time. So, yeah, I love him. He used to be a second-round pick. And I think... He's going to be a huge impact. If you put him on a playoff team next year, mm-hmm. Bills. The Bills, the Buffalo Bills need this guy. Yeah, they do. Do yeah, it. Do. do it. That would be, oh, I'd love that. I'm willing to bet some some teams have Javante Williams RB1 on their board. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at this point. I think he's he's rising a lot. Um, and uh, something, something I want to speak to, I know you mentioned he doesn't have the long speed. When you're evaluating a running back, something that I like to pay attention to is a 10-yard split, a lot more than a 40-yard dash. I don't need a guy who's going to go bust out a big play every single time because it's just not going to happen against the NFL defense consistently. But you want a guy who's going to bust through that hole every single time and get you a chunk of yards. So he's he's the one who can do that. I actually think he might be, out of those three, I think he might be the best overall running back, pure runner, uh, between Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. I would probably take Javante Williams um, personally. But I, I like that pick, Casey. Good, Thanks. good choice. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> of course. Who you got, Durgan? Well, well, I thought a biased pick because he went by high school, but, you know, that did help a little bit in my eyes. Kevin King? But No, 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 Kevin <laughs> King. But it, this guy did play in secondary in the Pac-12, Javon Holland from Oregon. He didn't play in 2020, uh, sat out with coronavirus. But in two years, he had nine interceptions, which is a lot for college. Uh, absolute playmaker, return punts. Will play the entire next season at 21, so he's still a young guy. Played, he's listed as safety. He can play free or strong and spend most of his time in college in the slot. So a true jack-of-all-trades. Uh, a diet honey badger in my eyes. He's kind of put him on the field. He's going to make plays for you. He can blitz. Uh, he's get a little stronger, a little skinny right now. But we saw last year, uh, before the draft last year, I said Antoine Winfield Jr. That's my guy. And mm-hmm. I think this guy can also make a similar impact where he can step in as a rookie in a secondary, be a vocal leader, and also make plays uh, down the stretch. Yeah, and you're seeing more and more defenses using these hybrid players that can fit around in different positions and move from safety to being in the box to cover someone in the slot, cover these tight ends that are becoming more athletic, cover running backs out of the backfield, and, and he's a guy that can can potentially do all that stuff. So uh, I think there's a lot of value in that, and teams are going to start focusing on you know almost creating a new position in the in the secondary or second level of defenses, uh, and and he's a guy that can do that sort of in that honey badger role like you like you mentioned yep versatility i think teams value versatility and athleticism and he has both so i think uh, where, where are you projecting him Durgan? I, I see him like maybe 
late second, uh, third? Second, second, third round. Uh, it kind of depends on how you see them. If you're a lot of teams are using more like a the nickel defense, which is a four-five-two. If that's your base defense, I think teams will like him more because he can play safety, he can play in the box a little more. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in the third round because he didn't play it all this year, which is going to push him down. And yet, a lot of guys late in the process move up. But in terms of safety, you have Trevor Morig from TCU, the top guy. He should be number two mm-hmm. easily. Yep. So second, third round for sure. Could be a good value. Um, yes. I'm going to stick it. I'm going to stick with the uh, secondary, and I'm going to go my favorite cornerback in the draft, who is J.C. Horn. Absolute animal at the cornerback position. One of the most physical cornerbacks I think I've ever seen, not even just in college, but just in general. Um, almost too physical. Like He may have to dial it back a little bit come NFL time because he's going to get called a little more on some illegal contact penalties than he would in college. But really great tackler, uh, great in press coverage. I think he's the best press man corner in this draft. Um, and he played the most, uh, no, second most, excuse me, um, man coverage snaps out of any cornerback in this draft at 240. So really like this guy. Um, fun fact, he allowed the lowest completion percentage in the SEC, which I think says a lot. The SEC is arguably the best um, in college football. So everything you would want in a, in a man corner, in my opinion, he's got the size. There's a lot of large corners, just a quick segue. There's a lot of large corners yeah. in this draft, really interesting. Um, yeah. Usually there's not that many, but... There's a ton in this draft. Um, and he's got elite athleticism. Ran a 439, 40, 11, uh, 11 foot, one inch broad uh, jump, 19 bench, bench press reps, which is a lot for a corner. So watch out for this guy. I think he's going he's gonna to make some waves. He had a better workout than Patrick Sertain, who a lot of people have rated higher than him. But I think this guy's got a lot of intangibles and natural football instinct and that nastiness that I like in my corners. You know, I want my guy to be feisty out there, and I think mm-hmm. he's he can he can do that. He, at the end of the day, he's just a, he's a natural born competitor, and I, I think uh, I, I he's he's climbed up to my cornerback one in my opinion. If you need a man corner, yeah, he's got that dog mentality, and that's what yep. you want from a, a premier guy outside. A little bit of Jalen Ramsey will talk some shit and mix it up and and be physical and come up and make a hit and. And that's what you, you you sort of love to see from a guy out there, and he he fits that bill for sure. And I could even see him uh, maybe pushing up towards the top ten, like maybe Dallas takes him if that's their their corner. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that'll be music to your ears. But at ten is where I see sort of his ceiling as far as someone drafting him goes. I think because um, uh, they definitely need need help in the secondary, and and he would be a a good fit and and, and help there a lot. But um, he's he's fun to watch man and and so so he's got like you like you sort of laid out he's got all the physical tools and he has the mentality to go with it and that's that's stuff you can't teach that mentality that dog mentality that alpha mentality and then the the measurables to go with it are is is stuff you can't coach into a guy so he he's got all the tools i am glad you picked him because it fits right into my uh, scouting report this week which is on jc horn nice and the uh the uh nickname i gave him was the alpha male Nice. We've all talked about it. this guy. He's going to walk into the room and he's going to be, okay, I'm CB1 now. I don't care who's on the team. I'm your top guy. And like you said, his aggressiveness is his biggest strength and weakness. He's a dial back a bit, but I'd rather have my cornerback be dialed back than tell him to turn up. These guys are always going to be turned up. He's always mm-hmm. going to be in your face, pushing you around. And if you get on the Cowboys at 10, if you get him and Trayvon Diggs at corner, those receivers will be in for a long day. That's a lot of tall, lengthy, strong corners. 
So uh, my Cowboys, my NFC East team, I pick every year to disappoint me. <laughs> That'd be a great fit. But J.C. Horn, he's a baller. Uh, yeah, it's offseason or pre-draft process, I should say. He's been consistently climbing up in his pro day. Like, you broke it down. One of the best uh, all, all year of anybody, really. Yeah. I I, uh, I hope that your predictions that he goes to the Cowboys <laughs> is not the case, but we shall see. Um, let's segue here. We'll move on to our last segment here. We're going to pick one player. This is a little bit of a selfish segment. We're going to pick one player... <laughs> that would be our dream pick for our team and who we would want the most. So, Casey, we'll start with you. Um, give us who you would want the Packers to draft. Yeah, I'm going with Caleb Farley. And, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a reach for him to fall all the way to 29 because uh, he has all the tools. And I think a lot of people could have ranked him as being the best cornerback in the draft if not for the injury concerns and the back issues. Um so I mean, he was he was sort of pushing top ten conversations, but with with the injuries, he's he started to slide a little bit. So if he gets to the twenties, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, and the Packers have an opportunity to go trade up and get him, I would be okay. down with with giving up a third or so to to go make that happen. Because if you pair him with Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, that's a pretty mean secondary you got going on uh, in Green Bay. Uh, so uh, we definitely need a quarterback too, and. Uh, he would he would fit that bill if he started to slide. So I have Sertan as my top corner because he's the safest, and then you have Farley who has the highest upside. The back injury you don't know what's going on, but if he is 100 percent healthy, he could be a top three corner in the league. That's how especially special athletically he is. I mean he's everything you want. He's on tape too. He's not one of those guys who works out well and then you don't see on tape. On tape you can see that he is making up a lot of ground. And he's only been playing corner for like two or three years. He came to Virginia Tech as a wide receiver and played uh, mm-hmm. quarterback in high school. So he still has a lot to learn. He might not be a guy from year one that you're, he's going to be your top guy right away. But year two, three, and four, he can really blossom into a really high-end corner in the league. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a really good fit across from Jair Alexander. I, I I don't know that he'd be an immediate impact star, per se, like the way Jair Alexander has blossomed into, but um, I think him guarding the second-best guy on the opponent's team puts you guys in a great position on defense. So um, it was definitely an upgrade over Kevin King. No offense to your high school uh, <laughs> com- com- uh, comrade there. but It's um, all good. I, I, I would like that a lot. I think that would be a smart pick, um, but knowing – the Packers they'll probably draft Javante Williams um let's go <laughs> into you yours Durgan what do you who do you who do you want the uh, Niners to draft well we talked we've talked about this twice now Mac quarterback Jones? of three there's no <laughs> point I'm, I'm just gonna ignore the first round the first round does not exist right now give me Wyatt Davis the offensive lineman from Ohio State in the second round if you're in a win now mode and you got a quarterback who's young you need some offensive line help. And last year, the offensive line wasn't good enough. You put Wyatt Davis at right guard, he can play at any system. And we talked about mean mother efforts earlier. This guy will hurt you in the middle. He's quick. He's big. He played in any system. Didn't have as good of a year this year. He had a lot of first-round hype coming into the year. But he only played in six games. And he declared for the draft when they found out the Big Ten was, or yeah, Big Ten wasn't going to play the year. And then they switched back to playing. And so he undeclared for the draft. So your body... When he's come to workout mode, the football mode is a lo- huge difference. And all he had was three weeks to get his body from, he said, what, like 285 back to 310. So he was playing smaller this year. 
Then he gets hurt at the very end. So he had inconsistent year that then pushed him down to the second round. But he should be the Niners pick, and I would love for that selection to happen. He's a day one starter. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I think his his story is not necessarily a unique one with these college prospects where, you know, unforeseen circumstances hurt their stock or cause them to fall, and a lot of teams are going to get some some gems sort of later in the draft by no fault of the prospects, you yeah. know, themselves. Yeah. So uh he's had some really good uh film out there especially last year in 2019 um so i i think he would be a great fit and he'd uh he'd slot right in and help the 49ers on on the offensive line for sure yeah i mean if you're gonna take a quarterback at three you know we got to protect mac jones so um, <laughs> it's true i'm just so kidding uh but <laughs> you're not I, it's true it's true it's well, well we'll see hopefully not but i i think this would be the the smart way to go i mean the the I, I like to think your exterior offensive line is pretty good. Um, and then the interior is where the upgrades would need to be. So yeah. I think he, he would slot in. I like this a lot. Um, and it would give whoever's at quarterback, whether it be Jimmy G or whoever whoever is ending up on, on that roster at, at, at pick three. Um, Nate Sudfield. Nate Sudfield is there too. My guy, <laughs> Nate, Nate Sudfield. Studfield, the franchise. Sudfield. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, you know, I think uh, I think that's – very important to shore up and and it would help the, it would help a lot more than people realize it's not a sexy pick anytime you take an offensive line especially second round um or lower you know it's not the sexiest of picks but it's it, we've seen building through the trenches work and that's the way to do it i think to win um so without further ado mine would be jamar chase i don't know <laughs> Need I say more? I mean, we covered on him quite a bit here. RIP, though, to my hopes. I don't think he's going to be there at 12. <laughs> so realistically, I will say Devontae Smith would be an awesome consolation prize for not getting Jamar Chase. Um, I don't know if he's as dynamic. He's definitely not as good of a blocker. Um, I, I don't think he's as dynamic in terms of getting separation and, and contested catches. He's a lot lighter. He's about 30 pounds lighter. But... I I'm just desperate for some production at the wide receiver position, and you don't win. He's the always open. He's always yep. open. Always you, open. You don't win the Heisman at receiver without being uh, pretty damn good. So I I would take Devonte Smith. Um, I think I think he would help this team a lot and help Jalen Hurts a lot. Reunited with uh, another Alabama quarterback. So um, let's not that he had his his good uh, season at Alabama, but <laughs> that would be that would be an exciting pick. I think. Um, otherwise, I'm honestly not sure. So, I'm, what about corner? What are your thoughts about Eagles going corner? Uh, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked they went corner, but it would have to be thoughts. number one, number one, their number one corner left on the board. I think. Um, JC Horn. JC Horn. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I would. I would want a corner. I think there's. It's tough because there's a lot of holes, right? So you're kind of you know yeah. trying to figure out i i think i just want them to pick the best available player which fair enough who knows what that's going to be at 12 you may have had an idea at six just yeah. saying yeah but you don't really at 12 so maybe it's penny sewell maybe he slips i mean there's Never some know. you know yeah conjecture that he may not be picked in the top five eight ish um so if that happens I'd, that'd be great but um we'll see we'll see it will be interesting that wraps things up though do you guys have any final thoughts before we uh Say goodbye to the listeners here. 
I do not. I think Devontae Smith, uh, you know, sometimes the guys don't have all the measurables. They just find ways to sort of get get separation and get themselves open. Sort of almost guys like Jerry Rice, who didn't necessarily have all the physical tools, but they just, they understood how to get open. They understood the route technique. They understood how to attack the ball. Uh, They weren't going to overpower you. They weren't going to run by you. They were just going to find ways to get open. And I think there's something to be said for that. So I think Devontae Smith would be a, a nice fit there compliment to the speed of rager and uh give you a nice nice guy a nice nice reliable guy to to create some separation in the middle of the field two quick things two quick things Devontae smith my pro comp marvin harrison there you go i like marvin harrison i I, I, great player a lot bigger though i think right no they're same size i mean i think marvin harrison might be an inch taller but he was like equally as skinny coming out and just huh. gained like five, ten pounds and became a baller. I guess Currently when it's your job, it's a lot easier to put on muscle mass, <laughs> yeah. right? So true, oh. true. And secondly, I think it'd be rude of me to not mention that J.C. Horn's father is Saints legend Joe Horn, the guy who had a touchdown celebration with a cell phone. Mm-hmm. The Saints back when probably huh. kids under the age of like eighteen have no idea what we're talking about. Well, Go YouTube it. Go <laughs> YouTube that one. The OG great. Touchdown celebrations. Another fun sure. fact, which is really weird to me, is that Asante Samuel's son is a corner yep. in this draft. Which yep. kind of blows my mind because yep. that was good like player corner. That was like the corner I grew up watching on the Eagles. So, anyways, it's interesting. You're I mean, look at all these guys' birth dates, and it's like 2000, and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. dude! Wow. <laughs> um, but anyways, let's wrap things up there on episode 86. Thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate your support. Before we head out, I want to give my co-host a chance to plug some content that you should keep an eye out for. Casey, you want to let the listeners know what they should be looking for? Yeah, we gave a little sneak peek last episode, if you didn't listen to that yet, on our quarterback rankings for the draft. And this week, I've got a breakdown on Justin Fields following up on, on Durgens from a while ago. Uh, I'm pretty high on him. So if you want to sort of see the film and, and uh, why I like him so much, uh, you can check that out on YouTube on Thursday or find the article on weeklyspiral.com on Thursday as well. Nice. Sweet. Nice. Sweet. What about you, Durgan? Uh- uh, I said earlier, J.C. Horn, scouting report, and then a second one on Tommy Trumbull, tight end from Notre Dame, who also could be a fullback, and I love fullbacks, so I had to check him out. All right, a little Shanahan Jr. over here. I love That's it. That's right, man. This has been a weekly spot of production, bringing fresh football every single week. Thank you again for stopping by. really appreciate it, and we will catch you next week for episode 87.